Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message by Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. It's exciting. Well, last Sunday and this morning we were talking about the way that we're called to walk. And we've been looking at Exodus chapter 18 verse 20 that says, You shall teach them the statues statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work that they must do and our focus last week was uh, a, a large portion of it was on how we minimize sin in our life and it wasn't uh, so much on any particular sin as it was just that we treat sin in our life uh, as not that big of a deal and and don't don't allow it to affect us the way that it should. And I just wanted to touch on that before we get into this morning's message is uh, the sin that started it all. If we go back to Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, their big sin that caused the fall of mankind was eating a piece of fruit. God said, you can have everything everything in this garden everything i've created i've given you dominion i've called you i walk with you every day uh i'm here in relationship i love you you've got everything just this one tree don't eat that and they took the fruit and they ate it the one commandment there wasn't 10 there wasn't all the, you know, we've got lists all over the place in the Bible of don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. There wasn't all that. There was one commandment. Don't eat that fruit. And they said, boy, that sure looks good. I, that's what I want to do. I want to eat it. And they took it and they ate it. And I was just thinking, you know, how, how many of you with children uh, at some point, whether it was a piece of fruit or a cookie in the cookie jar, told them don't eat that. And it might not be that, it may just not be for now. You know, we're going to have that for dinner. But they wanted it now and they got it. And, and maybe they got in trouble, maybe they didn't. But we look at something like that and we say, well, it's just not that big of a deal. They just ate a cookie or they just got this that I told them not to get. But the truth is, that was a big enough deal for all of mankind to fall into sin. Because it wasn't about the fruit. And that's, that was the point uh, last week. It's not about what it is. It's in our heart. We say, I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, and I really don't care what God has to say about it. And Adam and Eve had heard the word of God, and they chose to not do it. And that's what we're going to be starting out, or what our focus this morning is going to be, is that through Jesus Christ in us and the Holy Spirit that he's sent to us, we can follow and live in that relationship with God and follow his word and live and walk the way that he's called us to walk. But the first thing that I want to point out this morning is knowing that truth, hearing that word in and of itself isn't enough. And we're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 42 to start out this morning. If you have your Bible or Bible app on your phone, you can start turning there to Jeremiah chapter 42. But I want to give you a little of the backstory before we get there. Jeremiah, God had told him to prophesy against the king of Israel and against the people of Israel because they had fallen away from God. And his prophecy to them was to surrender to the enemy. 
the king of Babylon is coming. All you have to do, King Zedekiah, is surrender. If you surrender, everything's going to be okay. Yeah, you're going you're to be taken away. God is punishing you because you've done all these things. But you, your family, everybody will live. Everything will be well with you if you just surrender. So that was the word from the Lord. But King Zedekiah was afraid. And he said in his heart, if I surrender, and he even has this conversation with Jeremiah, if I surrender, these people are going to kill me because I didn't even put up a fight. We didn't even try to keep our sovereignty. And so they're going to kill me. And Jeremiah says, no, they're not going to kill you. God's going to keep you. Just surrender. But he refused. And everything that Jeremiah said came to pass. And his whole family was killed. Many of his leadership were killed. Many of the people of Israel were killed. And many were taken into slavery. And just a remnant, just a few were left behind. And that few, including Jeremiah, they come to Jeremiah and they say, well, now we want to do what God is telling us to do. And that's where we're going to pick up the story this morning. It's in Jeremiah 42, verses 2 through 6. And, and they said to Jeremiah the prophet, Let our plea for mercy come before you, and pray to the Lord your God for us, for all this remnant, because we are left with but a few, as your eyes see us. Look at verse 3. That the Lord your God may show us the way we should go and the things that we should do. And Jeremiah the prophet said to them, I have heard you. Behold, I will pray to the Lord your God according to your request. And whatever the Lord answers you, I will tell you. I will keep nothing back from you. Well, that verse 3 looks a whole lot like Exodus eighteen twenty, doesn't it? Just tell us the work to do and where to go and we'll do it. Go to God and ask him what we're supposed to do and we'll listen. So it sounds like these people have a heart after God and a heart for his word and they want to do the right thing. And they're telling Jeremiah, go and find out for us what we're supposed to do, where we're supposed to go. And so Jeremiah in verse five says, it says, then they said, I'm sorry, they speak to him again first. Then they say to Jeremiah, May the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act according to all the word with which the Lord your God sends you to us. Whether it is good or bad, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we are sending you that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. So at the end of 4, Jeremiah says, yeah, I'm going to go. I'll find out and I'll let you know. But before, they, before he goes, they say, hold on, Jeremiah, we just want to reiterate. Whatever God tells you, whether it's good or bad, and the truth is anything God says is good. But really what they were saying is if it seems bad to us. It's the, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So really the bad was If it comes back and it's not what we want to do, even then we're going to do it. We're going to be obedient. Whatever God says, we're going to do it so that it it will be well with us. So again, heart in a great place. They just want to hear the word of God. They just want to do what he's calling them to do. So let's see what happens. Jeremiah 43. And you can read the rest of 42. It gives a lot of the specifics. But basically, 
in their heart, they wanted to run away to Egypt. And so that was what they wanted to do. But they were saying, whatever he says, we're going to do it. And God comes back with a word, and his only word is, don't go to Egypt. That's the word. And then we come into 43 verse 1. When Jeremiah finished speaking to all the people, all these words of the Lord their God, with which the Lord their God sent him to them, Azariah the son of Hoshea and Johanan the son of Korea, and all the insolent men said to Jeremiah, You are telling a lie. The Lord your God did not send you to say, Do not go to Egypt to live there. But Baruch, the son of Neriah, has sent you against us to deliver us into the hand of the Chaldeans that they may kill us or take us into exile in Babylon. So they get the word back and they say, You're a liar. God didn't say to do that. God, it's just like... In the, in the beginning, Adam and Eve, one thing you don't want to do is eat that apple and they ate it. The only thing that he tells them to do is don't go to Egypt. And their answer is, you're a liar. Somebody tricked you to say that, to tell us that. And so guess what we're going to do? Pack up your bags, everybody. We're going to Egypt. And that's what they do. And they take Jeremiah with them. As they were, were going to Egypt and everything that God prophesied in the rest of 42 that would happen to them if they didn't listen happens. So the reason that we're looking at this before we get into the Holy Spirit being the one that speaks to us and tells us where to go and Jesus Christ being the power and the light within us is that just knowing the truth, just knowing the word isn't enough if we don't respond to it if we don't do what he said to do and that's what last week's and this week's message comes down to there is a a work to do there's a place he's telling us to go a way to walk and we have to actually walk in it live in it follow him respond to his voice And the the wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit is he's very specific. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 21 says, And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, the Holy Spirit is going to literally say, Turn left, turn right. We've got the, the image up there again of that path. You know, it's, it's, there's many turns, there's many ways to go, but there's only one way that God has for us to go. And he'll speak that way to each one of us if we're listening and if our heart's uh, willing to hear it and if we're willing to respond. You know, we mentioned last week about the, the wonderful app that we all have on our phones that tells us the way to go, that gives us the directions to get us to our destination on mine, it's uh, a young lady's voice. On my wife's, it's a, a British man. <laughs> we won't talk about that. No. <laughs> but whatever, you know, so we, we even want to pick our own voice. You know, we, we want to pick the voice we want to hear. But that voice tells us where to go, but it won't get us to our destination if we ignore it. 
If it says turn left and you turn right, if it says drive straight for 100 miles, but you turn left and go 50 miles, you're not going to get to your destination. You actually have to do what the voice is telling you to do. And that's the way the voice of God works. He's speaking to us. He's giving us specific direction. But if we don't listen and we don't respond, we're not going to get to where he's trying to get us. Look with me at Acts chapter 9, verse 10. It'll also be up on the screen. But you'll see how specific he can be. It says, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. That's pretty specific. Wouldn't you say? God calls Ananias by name. He gives him the name of the street to go. And then he tells them the name of the owner of the house. Then he tells them the name of the guy in the house that's visiting. And he tells them where that guy came from. He tells them what's wrong with that guy. He's blind. And he says, I've even told that guy, a guy by your name is going to come to the house. And it's going to lay hands on him and he's going to be healed. And that's what I'm telling you to do. Go. Well, guess what Ananias' first response is? No, Lord. (laughs) Because he knew who Saul of Tarsus was. Saul of Tarsus was a man who persecuted and killed Christians. And Ananias is saying, Lord, if I go there, he's going to kill me. I don't want to go. But the Lord said, go. And he listened and he responded and he goes. And guess what? He doesn't get killed. God's faithful. He protects them. And Saul becomes Paul, who writes most of the New Testament that we have today and goes on to be the greatest missionary of all time. Because Ananias responded to the word of God and did what he was calling him to do. One other interesting note is we never hear of Ananias again. There's another one or two Ananiases, but they're different. They're different Ananiases. It's not the same man. But that's all we know of Ananias. He was a disciple. God spoke to him and he responded and he used him to bring Saul to him to become Paul. Because he was faithful. And I think so often in our life, God calls us to do something. And it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. And it doesn't seem like that big of a deal whether we respond or not. But the truth is, when we respond to God, he does something that only he can do. When Moses had the staff and the Israelites were just literally freaking out. Because they were stuck between a rock and a hard place, literally. There's a sea in front of them, rocks around them, and you've got an army coming to slaughter you. And God tells Moses, hey, take your stick and go hold it over the water. What's that going to do? And whether it does anything or not, is it hard? Was that hard for him to do? He does something that's not hard physically, 
Mentally, he may be thinking, I'm going to look like an idiot. These people may stone me and kill me because I brought them out here to die. But this is the word of the Lord and I'm going to do it. And God responds and parts the Red Sea and they walk through on dry land. Ananias could have said, they're going to kill me. And he did think he was going to be killed. But he said, that's what God said to do, so I'm going to do it. And God, God transforms Saul into Paul. God is about doing things that are impossible for us. But he does them through our obedience. When we listen to his word and we respond. And that's what he's calling us to do. The Holy Spirit, in John sixteen thirteen, it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit speaks the truth, and he's declaring the truth, and he's telling us the way to go. Everything that we need to know. When we read the Bible, he interprets the word and it says he will explain it to us. The things and the mysteries that we don't understand, he'll explain it to us. He'll teach us. And Jesus said, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. He's going to be your guide. He's going to tell you when to turn left and when to turn right and when to go straight and when not to go anywhere at all. The truth is, can you go ahead and you can black it out now. I'm changing it up on them. (laughs) The truth is, that's where we live. That path, it's still there. It's still that crazy of of a road, that many choices, that many ways to go. And we're standing in the dark. Jesus said that apart for me, you're dead. We're, we're dead in our transgressions. We're dead in our sin. And we're going to read some scriptures here in a minute that says Jesus is the light. That he's the light of the world. That he came to bring light. And you can flip it back on. So Jesus comes and illuminates the world. So now we can see the path. But just seeing the path isn't enough. We have to know where to go. And he said, I'm not going to just light up the path for you. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to tell you the way to go. And in John 1, verse 5, we read, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And this is talking about Jesus. Jesus is the light that he's talking about. And that word overcome, it's used um, in multiple translations. You'll see that the darkness has not overcome it, but you'll also see that the darkness doesn't comprehend it. It doesn't understand it. It doesn't obtain it. And it's kind of different, honestly, than our, our understanding of light. When we turn on the lights in this room, the darkness flees. And that part is true. You can say the darkness cannot overcome the light. The darkness cannot come back into this room unless we turn the lights off. But there's a spiritual truth in what Jesus was saying that in the comprehending it is that we actually have a choice of whether or not we stay in the dark. Jesus has lit up the world for everybody. 
He said he came for all that all might be saved. The light's here. He flipped the switch on. But just like we saw in the Old Testament, man has the ability to hear the truth, hear the word of God, know exactly what to do. Don't eat the one piece of fruit. Don't go to Egypt. And we still have the ability to say, but I want the fruit. I want to go to Egypt. So the lights come. But if we want to hang out and hold on to our darkness and not comprehend the light, we can. John three nineteen through 21 says, And this is the judgment. This is the judgment for the world. The light, Jesus Christ, has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone does wicked things, everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. The judgment of Israel was that they had given, that they'd been given the light, but they chose darkness. Jeremiah brought them the word of the Lord, but they said, and they said they would follow it, but in the end, they chose to stay in their darkness. They literally chose darkness. John eight twelve says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Just like we showed a second ago with the screen all black, the whole way darkened. Jesus says, I'm the light. Now you can see the way. And I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and he's going to tell you which way to go. And John 1, 5 says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is Light, And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He's the light. In him is no darkness at all darkness can't be in the same place as god it can't be in the same place as jesus and jesus is saying i will be your light i'll light up every dark area in you there won't be a shadow left if you allow me to be lord of your life and that's what we've been talking about the last few weeks is the lordship of Jesus Christ. We talked about how Peter, when Jesus we got a, had a vision and he said, eat these unclean animals. And Peter's response was, no, Lord. And how we can't say that. We either have to say no to God or he's our Lord. Just like Ananias chose to believe and chose to follow and just like the Israelites chose to go to Egypt, they said, no, no, we're going to do what we want to do. We're going to live in our sin. We're going to go and we're going to take the judgment 
because we don't trust you. We don't believe you. We don't want to follow you. They chose. They said no. And Ananias said yes. And we have that same choice. Jesus has lit up the path and he sent us the Holy Spirit to tell us the way to go. And we hear his voice. And every single time we have the ability and the responsibility to choose. He wants us to know him, to know that he's a good father, that he loves us, that he wants what's best for us, to trust him enough that if he says, stay in the land where the people just took it captive, that we trust him enough that he's going to protect us and he's going to do what he said he was going to do. Or if he says, go, that we would trust him enough to go, that we would believe his word. And when we do that little thing, that thing that seems like not that big of a deal, He'll do what only He can do. And miracles will happen. And people will be healed. And people will be transformed. And people will come to Him that you never thought possible because we did what He said to do. And then He does what only He can do. Jesus is the light of the world. And we read this last week, but I want to close with this verse this week. It's 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We can't do it. It's impossible. It's not about our willpower. It's not about our strength. It's not about anything in us. It's Jesus Christ and that he is Lord of everything. And if we allow him to be Lord and take the things in our life that are not submitting to the Lordship of Christ, we can say, here, Lord, you make this submit to you. I'm giving this to you so you can be Lord. And it says he'll destroy the strongholds. I just want to share, this week I was praying, and I went into my, there's like a back part of the office, I guess you could call it, and it's kind of like a closet, and uh, it's got a bookshelf, it's a little bigger. And um, I went in there and I closed the door, and I was praying, and when I walked in it was totally black and dark, and I couldn't see anything. And I closed my eyes and I was praying and um, honestly praying about the word and what 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 do you want to speak today? You know, what what word uh, do you want brought this Sunday? And um, and after I prayed a while, I opened my eyes and lo and behold, I could see. There was light coming from the just a little crack at the bottom of the door. Light was coming through and it was enough light to where now i could see the furniture in the room i could see the books on the shelf i could see the back cabinet what all was black before when i first walked in the room and my eyes hadn't adjusted was now there was enough light to see and what he said was the lights here the lights come And I'm doing everything to shine in the darkness. 
And when you see that truth, when you see that light, we can either respond to it and then ask for more light or we can shut it out and get rid of the light that we have. And so our first example was the Israelites saying, oh yeah, we want the light, give us the light. But when they got the light, they said no, and they closed the door and sealed up every crack and crevice that the light could come through and push God away. And I could have either gotten duct tape or some kind of sealant or whatever and seal up every crack and wait till it's pitch black. And then when my eyes adjusted again, if there was some shred of light somewhere coming in, I could have covered it up till I was in complete darkness. Or I could open the door and let the rest of the light that was being blocked by the door come in. And when I did that, the room was brighter, but it still wasn't that light. Well, guess what? There's a light in that room. And I turned that light on. Now the whole place is lit up. And that's what Jesus is saying. I'm the light. I've come. You may be seeing this glimmer of light, but there's more. There's more light. I'll show you the whole deal. And the Holy Spirit will tell you every single thing that you need to do to stay on my path, to walk in righteousness, to not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But you can walk in the Spirit and live by the Spirit, by the power and the light of Jesus Christ. And we can make much of Him and much of His light and much of the power of the Holy Spirit and say, that's stronger, that's bigger than the desires of the flesh. Literally to the point that He said, that life is dead now. I'm no longer living to that because it's dead. Now I'm alive. I have a new life in Christ Jesus. The light, Jesus Christ Himself, now is dwelling in me. That whole life has passed, gone away. Everything has been made new. And, and we read a scripture last week that said, that light is what the world is supposed to see shining out of us. Because the light's in us. And anything that doesn't conform to that light, to His Lordship, we just read in 2 Corinthians, take it to Jesus and say, you have to submit to the Lord. Because he's the Lord of everything. I'm not going to submit you. I'm not going to beat you into submission. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to give it to the Lord. And he takes it. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to say, go here, turn here, do this. Don't go that way. And then it's easy. We just follow him. The last picture that I had uh, in my mind that he showed me this week was um, it was like me as a child and staying with my father and it's like I was just gripping his leg you know when when your kids were that age and they would either just hold on to your leg or grip, grip your pants or whatever and they held on and we read, we read last week, and there's that, the scripture that talks about abiding in Christ. You know, if we're abiding in Him, He's the vine, we're the branches, we can abide in Him. And this was the picture I got of the abiding. If we're holding on to His leg with everything we've got, He says we're supposed to love Him with all of our might, all of our strength, all of our soul, everything within us. If we're holding on to that and saying, I'm not letting go wherever you told me to go, whatever you told me to do, wherever you go, I'm sticking with you. It's impossible, literally impossible to fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
And that's what the Bible says. We're either walking in that or we're not. And what happens is just like Adam and Eve, just like the Israelites, we get to a point and we're holding on, but then something catches our attention and we remember there's, there's some flesh still in us. There's still some things that I would like to do. And we say, you know what? I'll let go. I'm going to go check out what I want to do. One more time. Let's, <laughs> let's see what it is. Then we get burned again and we run back. And the great thing is, is he's gracious and faithful and he'll forgive us. But the whole point of last week's message and what I want us to just drill home today is that he's bigger. He's stronger. And we've made the reverse. We've said sin is so big, it's impossible to fight. And so we just have to live with it. And maybe one day when we're dead, God will redeem us enough to really be saved. And the truth is, He's enough today. He's bigger today. Christ in us is enough today. The Holy Spirit that He sent us is enough today. And yes, will He take you back when we go away? Absolutely. When I was 12, I thought I'd committed the unpardonable sin. I was lost. I'd, 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 I had the truth and I still sinned. I lost it. He couldn't forgive me again because I'd, sinned. I'd done the same thing so many times at 12. And the truth is, it was true. He didn't have to forgive me. He didn't have to take me back. I had done the same sin over and over and over. It was truth. But the truth was that he would forgive me and he would cover it up and he would take me back. But it's we to get that idea out of our head that that's okay, that that's the life we have to live, that we don't have any other choice. That's not true either. We can live in victory. We can let the light of Jesus Christ shine in us. We can follow the Holy Spirit. And yes, if we fail, He'll take us back. But never use it, use it as an excuse. That's what Paul meant when he said, so do we sin so grace may abound? No. But don't say, well, since grace abounds, I'm just going to keep sinning. Let the light shine and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit declaring the truth to you and respond. However little or however big it seems, respond and He is going to do the miraculous. He'll transform you. Philippians 1, 6 says that He will complete the work that He started in you. It's all about Him. All of it. That's why He's the only Lord. And we can't take over the seat. It's all about Him. And as soon as we realize that, He fulfills every desire that you've ever had. And you'll have a better life than you ever dreamed of having. Because you're following the one good, true Lord. Will you bow your heads with me? Dearly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. Lord, I thank you that you are Lord. 
that as your word says, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and there's only one, there's only ever been one. Father, I pray it's a mystery to us. We don't get it. We don't understand it. We can't comprehend how your grace works, how uh, salvation works. It's more than we can grasp. But what we know is you sent your son, the light, and he lit up the world. And then you sent your Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. And you say, if we will obey, if we will listen, if we'll accept you as Lord and Savior of our life, you'll take what was dead and make it alive. You'll start a work that you're going to finish. Father, transform us. Do the work in our life that only you can do. Speak to us in a way that only you can speak to us. And Lord, I pray for myself and everyone here and every Christian on the planet, Lord, that when we hear your word, we'll respond. And we'll walk the walk that you've called us to walk. We'll walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. With Jesus Christ lighting up the way and with the Holy Spirit telling us the way to go. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com. 